All right. As you guys are grabbing your seats, I'm going to talk to you guys just a little bit about some of the stuff happening here. And uh, it's going to be legit. Number one, I want to do another welcome. If you are new here, welcome to you. Uh, we are so pumped and uh, grateful that you're joining us here today at Youth. This, uh, this might be a bit of a weird thing for you guys. Uh, but we are, we are just excited and we are jacked that you guys are here. Uh, two announcements we want to do real fast before you guys... Uh, Settle down with uh, the message and everything. Number one, uh, we in spring break of next year are going on a missions trip. So we are going on a missions trip. Uh, this is open to grades 10 to 12. We are going to Guatemala and uh, we're going to take a bunch of students there. So if you are someone who wants to participate uh, in this missions trip, you... Uh, we can find some information at the Connect Desk, which is back there. There will be a leader after the service who will talk to you. We'll post the application online, and uh, you'll be able to do that real, real quick. The second thing that we are also announcing is that we are going to be opening up registration tonight, or applications tonight, for this thing called LEAD that we do here at, uh, at Youth. LEAD is also for grades 10 to 12 students, and uh, it is a leadership development program we do every Monday night for the whole school year, and uh, it's intense. It's very, very intense. You learn about leadership. You learn about uh, attitudes of what it looks like to be more like Jesus. You learn a crap ton of theology. We just douse you with that stuff, and uh, at the end of it, we get to go on a big, gnarly trip all together, and uh, it's a blast, and uh, we love it. So if you are someone who has heard of LEAD, wants to be a part of it, you can sign up uh, online, and uh, you have to print out this form. You have to have those forms back by October 10th. If they're not back by October 10th, you will not be allowed to join. So if you are 10 and 12 and you want to go into that program, uh, you can do that. Find all information at the Connect Desk. And if you want to get involved, join a community group or any of those good stuff, go back there, talk to the leader. They're fantastic, and uh, we'll have a good time. We're going to watch a video real quick talking about the series that we're in, and uh, then we'll get started. All right. So uh, we are in a series called Welcome Home, and uh, that whole idea of why we're in that kind of a series is because of this. All the people next to you, all of the vast arrays of stories that are in this room, different ages, um, th there's a lot of differences all up in this space, but what we believe here is that all of the people who are in this room and in the other room all make up this, this second kind of family that we have here. Um, it's really crazy for us to think about uh, the different experiences in this room. I can think about lots of you and a lot of very, very different kind of times that there was where I would sit there and maybe I would hear a story about your family or um, maybe the joyous moments of, for, even for some of our leaders of them graduating and being a part of those times that that's what families make up. It's these memories, it's these times together that we all get to share. Last week, when we're all together, we're jumping around. Tonight, we're jumping around and having this amazing time being here for, around this name of Jesus that we're all kind of centered around one thing. All of this is going to try to tell us something. So as I was kind of processing all of this, I started to think to myself, okay, what does all of this even mean? 
what does all of this even, what is this talk, like all of these things that we do when we come together, what do those even mean? Like right now, you have some random guy on a stage talking on a microphone towards, why do we just do that? Have we ever stopped to think about why do we sit here and listen to some guy every single week? Why do we let a ginger sing at us every single week, you know? Why do we do any of the things that we do? I just don't think that we've asked ourselves these questions enough. There are lots of people in this room who have a lot of crazy stories about their life, who come here for very different reasons. And we want to accept those things. There are some of you who follow Jesus, some of you who don't. There's some of you who had awesome lives, some of you who have not. We want to be the kind of place who accepts all people, who makes you feel loved and cared for. And if we don't do that, please let us know but we also want to be a place that understands the reason why we come together. Primarily that reason is Jesus. He is the one and only reason as to why we are here right now. This is not a weird, awkward rave slash Christian karaoke nights, right? Where everyone's kind of just following the leader, you know, whatever, we're not doing that. You know, some of us are like, we're glad the music's so loud because, you know, I'd kill some people with my voice. And, uh, and we have all these reasons why we show up here. We have all these reasons as to why we wanna be doing the things that we're doing. And what I hope happens tonight is that we begin to understand just the portion as to why we do some of the things that we do to get acclimated here, to feel like this could maybe even for us be a little piece of home. So if you guys have Bibles, we are gonna to go to Acts chapter two, verse 42, and uh, we might read some of 43. If you do not have a Bible, uh, there are leaders walking down the hallway here. Not a hallway, what is this thing called? The aisle, there you go. They're gonna hand out some uh, Bibles for you, and uh, we're gonna be in Acts chapter two, verse 42. If you guys uh, are not fast enough, it's gonna be page 592. Page 592, you can get it real quick, real fast. And uh, this is what the next four weeks is going to be about. Acts chapter two, verse 42, this is what it says. And they, this being the early followers of Jesus, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of the bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling the possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number day by day, those who are being saved. The early church came together in a very gnarly way. They were a family, they were a group, they were a people so connected together with one another that everything they did was focused around what the other person was doing. They're all centered around Jesus, they're doing stuff together and they were actually operating like a family. Now at times when we come into this place, we use a lot of that kind of familial language, right? You are, what's up brother, right? And we give, we give some, some pound, hey, how you doing? Hey, really nice to see you, whatever. We act and we talk like we are this kind of second family. And at times what begins to happen is that somebody who walks in here doesn't get that same impression. We talk a big talk and a lot of people don't feel the way that we really want to express ourselves. The Christian church is known for a lot of things and sometimes what we have forgotten is to be people like this 
to be the kinds of people who don't think about ourselves, but think about others, what we talked about last week, the kinds of individuals who go, am I gonna put my needs above everybody else's or am I gonna see you as more important? What are we gonna be? Are we gonna be the kinds of people who allow people to sit by themselves in a service where we say that we're a family? Are we gonna be the kinds of people who walk through a door and come to a church service because it's just all about us? Because sometimes I see that that is what we do, not just here, in the church in general. And it doesn't very much so look like this, where someone will sell everything they have to help somebody else. Like think about that for a moment. That I would sell my very own stuff so I can give and offer someone else the chance to get what they needed. The church at times talks a very big talk, but does not do what it is that they say. Um, there's this very famous story of this pastor and uh, he's going, he's hanging out at this mall and he's going to a store, he's walking around and as he's walking around in the store, he sees this big gnarly like tatted up juice to the gills kind of guy, right? Where you walk and you're like, this dude's finger is gonna straight up eat me. Like he's massive, right? He's on the Mexican hot sauce for sure, right? So this dude's juiced to the gills. He's, this guy's muscles on his tongue. I don't even know how that works, but he's jacked. He's walking around and as he's walking around, he's following this pastor around. He's like kind of just looking at him and following him. And this dude's like, I'm about to get abducted because this is how this happens. And the guy gets closer and closer and goes to the pastor and, and he says to him, hey, I know you don't know who I am, but I know who you are. He goes, oh Lord God, please save me. And he goes, no, I, I just got out of prison and, uh, and I read your books when I was in prison and they changed my life. So the pastor invites him to the church and so he goes to the church, he starts attending for a little while and he starts going and the pastor you know, brings him around and starts joining him to a community group and all this good stuff and kind of months go by, months go by, this, this pastor doesn't see this guy anymore, doesn't see him around. All of a sudden he shows up and he, he walks back into the same place and that same guy is there in the same location. And he goes, whoa, what the heck? Like, I haven't seen you around at the church. What, what's been going on? And he goes, well, see, there was a problem. And the problem is, is that I thought, right? I, I used to be in a gang. I, I thought the church was gonna kind of be like my gang. The reason why I was in prison was because I was defending another guy in my gang. I went to their kids' Little League games. We ate, we ate food together. We hung out and watched TV. We talked about dumb music. That, that was my gang. And I thought the church was going to be like that. And it wasn't. Now, first time I heard that illustration, I sat back and I was pretty blown away because it's so true that at times our version of Christianity is not so much, hey, what can I give? It's what I can receive. It's not so much what can I do? It's what can you do for me? Now, one of the things that the early church surrounded themselves through was this idea of the apostles teaching. There was this one guy, he would go and he would teach the rest of the group. 
right? It's kind of a similar situation to what's happening right now. One random guy got a microphone, and week after week, what we begin to do is we teach the rest of y'all about some specific place in this Bible. And they would listen, and they would grow with one another. And then after they would do they would they would eat with one another. They would spend time, they would pray with one another. If somebody was hurting, they would go into that situation, they would help them. If somebody else was in, in financial need, they would go and help them. This was a family, this was a group. But that very first thing, when the person walks up here and teaches, right? We had this, this consumer Christianity where it's all kind of about us. How often do we do that with this? How often at times do we walk out of this and the first question that we ask as Christian was, how good was the speaker? It's a quality thing. It's all about, hey, were they dynamic enough? Were they funny enough? Did they tell enough stories to keep my attention? Because if they couldn't do those things, I wouldn't really be listening. Preaching, teaching, is one of the things that the early church gathered around. Because one of the things that teaching is, predominantly you would think it's about speaking. You think it's about somebody saying something to someone else, but it's not. It's really about listening. It's whoever's talking is listening, is digging into this thing to say, God, what is it that you are trying to say about yourself to people? that I'm listening, that I'm, I'm trying as much as I can to go, what is it that they need? And on the other side of things, you are listening, that the posture into which you bring as a follower of Jesus, listening to whatever is happening in the Bible tells you a lot about yourself, right? I imagine last week when I said, hey, I'm gonna talk about the good Samaritan. How many of us were like, are we serious right now? Or if I were to say, hey, hey, we're gonna do John 3.16. How many of us would be like, are you, are you kidding me? It says so much more about our position and our posture to the word of God than it does whoever it is is actually saying anything. They haven't even said a word yet. And you've already said, I'm better than that. It's crazy for us to think. And this is a weird moment, right? How many people do you think are in this room? 100 something? And you're all just staring at me. It's weird, right? Every week I'm up here and I'm like, wow, beautiful eyes. No, I'm just kidding. And whatever, you guys are all just staring at me on stage. I was watching, um, I was watching this TV show. It was called uh, Comedians Get Coffee in Cars. That might not be the title, something like that. This guy named Jerry Seinfeld takes a bunch of comedians out, really nice cars. They go get some food, they get some coffee, they hang out. One of the guys that Jerry Seinfeld goes and hangs out with is this dude named Chris Rock, right? Chris Rock, hilarious. He's like, boom, we all laugh. That's his thing, it's legit. So he goes and he tells all of these jokes and he's this mastermind of creativity when it comes to comedy and he's sitting down with another master of comedy. And the very first thing he says to Jerry Seinfeld is, isn't it crazy that we get paid millions of dollars to talk? We just, we just walk on a stage and we, and we talk and people pay us. Isn't that the life? And then they both high-fived. And it's so funny 
how a lot of our lives are based around this kind of a moment. It's one individual sitting here with so much responsibility trying to teach as well as they possibly can, whatever context it is, for you guys to, to, to hear, to learn more about who Jesus is. This is the reason why preaching is in the middle of all of what we do. We're trying to speak from this, that you would know the truth about who God is, that we would talk about Jesus, that you would grow more into your knowledge of who he is. And the reason why we do these things is because we want you to know him desperately. The whole goal of this church gathering around people who are teaching is because they want to learn. It's a very simple point, but I hope we understand this. That the reason why we sit and we listen to someone talk is not so we can just enjoy ourselves and be joyous about the moment. It's because we actually want to come away learning something about who God is and what he does. And what the point of all of this is, is three things. One is that the church gathers around the truth. The second is that we listen because we believe God has acted. And the third is we listen because we believe God has spoken. We believe God has spoken. Now, truth is a really interesting thing. The very reality that we believe in the Bible is that God is telling us something that is real. And sometimes we like that and sometimes we don't, right? The gospel is a crazy thing. The good news of Jesus is a crazy thing. It basically says to you and every person in the room, you cannot save yourself. You cannot and will never do what Jesus can do. Some of us don't like that. That's crazy for us to be able to hear. That I can't do something. I don't like hearing that I can't do something. And that's exactly what it's saying to you. That's the truth that we live through. And at times we as Christians think that because we have truth, we should be paid attention to. And it's not true. There has to be something about the way that we operate as a follower of Jesus that wants other people to pay attention and listen. That at first glance, people might not want what it is that you have to offer, but you have to persevere, that you have to keep going to allow people to want to listen to and learn from what it is that you're actually going to say. I remember one time I was uh, preaching at Sunday morning, right? So we have a church, a lot of people. Uh, I got asked to do a Sunday morning sermon. So I go up, if you guys aren't familiar with Village Church, if you guys don't go there, um, we have a guy, his name is Mark. He's, uh, he's, he's a guy and he talks uh, on Sundays and he's, he's dynamic, right? He's funny, he's got the jokes, he's, he's making squeaky noises every probably 30 seconds. That's just how he preaches. It's kind of weird, but we all dig it, right? So Mark goes up there and he's this dynamic guy. He's running around the stage, he's sweating. He's like always talking like he'd lost his voice and he's going for it. And Mark's not there that day. They don't get Mark, right? They don't get the, the guy. Who do they get? They get me. So naturally, I would think that when they see me walk up, walk up on stage, everybody would erupt in just, oh, he's here. Yes, thank you, Lord. He's arrived. He's so good. This one lady walks out of her seat, goes over to the usher, no word of a lie. This actually happened. Lady walks over to the usher and says, why don't you tell us when Mark is not here so we can stop wasting our time? <laughs> now, I've never preached at Village before. 
at this point. So I'm like, this is the best way to start, right? Stop wasting our time and telling us when Mark's not here. I was like, spirit's moving. And, uh, and it was interesting. It was one of those messages that kind of just got to my heart and I felt like, man, this was, this was working on me a lot. And uh, I appreciate it. I wasn't dynamic. I didn't sound like I was screaming the whole time. I wasn't, you know, anywhere close to the quality that we all expect. And the whole beautiful thing about all of what this is, is it's not a guy with a microphone preaching from a book and trying to be smart and funny. It's a guy standing on a stage with a microphone trying to get out of the way so you don't even see me and all you get after is Jesus. So as much as I try to do that, I, I preach this message. The same lady goes over to the usher again and then she apologizes and begins to tell this usher this massive story about her daughter and this crazy thing that was happening. And she said, it was crazy because I felt like God was speaking right to me. And then she left. It's the truth. It's the reality of what you believe life to actually be. It's to have the audacity to sit here and hear things that you don't actually wanna hear. You don't wanna hear some of the stuff that we have to say. You don't wanna to have to sit there and go, you actually have a problem with gossip. You actually have a problem with lust. You have a problem with anger. And God's saying, hey, listen, all of these things that you have, I want you to get rid of those and take my son's death on the cross in its place. That's kind of a hard thing to hear at times. That's constantly what we're saying. That the good news of the gospel is not that you save yourself. It's that you have a savior who has done things for you, not on your effort, but on his, not on your power, but on his, not on your authority, but on his. The good news is intended to come out because you should know what good news is. And the reason why you know what good news is, is because for most of us, all of our lives have been filled with the opposite of that. God has acted, that he's done something, that we constantly ask all the time, why is this, why is this, why is this, why is this thing happened to us? That the only reason we stand here and listen to someone teach is because we believe as a community, as a home together, that God has acted in a way to change us, to do something different with our hearts. And when we sit here in unison and we listen and we have a posture of humility, it's only for the reason, not because I'm a great speaker, not because somebody else who comes up here is so talented at teaching, if all we begin to care about is who's saying the words, then we begin to miss where the words are actually coming from. Does that make sense? This individual is nothing but a mediator. It's an echo speaking words that came way before. And all and if only you care about this moment, 
preaching really has not. The, the apostles' teaching idea of gathering together has not really reached us. It's just something that we want to do to consume and do for ourselves. That's why we spend time a lot where I am not up here. And we have guests who come in and all we're trying to teach those individuals to do who come in as guests is be faithful, talk about what God has asked you to talk about and relay that information and get out of the way. God's acted, and so we talk about it. God has done something, and so we go and do it. That's the only reason why this happens. Listen, I never wanted to do this. I never thought preaching was what I wanted to do, you know? What do I want to do with my life? I want to stand on a stage while everyone stares at me. That's the life. No. I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be a teacher. And I was 17 years old and I was at this church and the church kind of blew up and I was like, okay, well, this is over with. And I was one of the guys who's on this leadership team of this church. And I would go and they asked me one day, hey, what, do you think you would want to, to teach the church? And I said, no, I would not want to do that. That sounds like the worst thing ever. Who wants to do that? And they kind of convinced me. They kept talking to me. You know, it got to like guilt trip level. So I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. It's for Jesus. And so I go up there and I speak. And the first one, to be honest, was not half bad. It was all right. It was like a six, okay? So they go, they're like, man, solid six. Like that was so, you know, like six. And so we're going to keep asking you to, to do this again. And I'm like, I don't want to do this. Like, but they go, well, if you don't do it, the word of the Lord won't be preached. And if the word of the Lord won't be preached, we can't do church. So we're going to shut our doors. I'm like, what? You can't guilt trip like a 17-year-old this way, saying that you're going to close the church doors if I don't walk up on a stage and talk to somebody? So they kept guilt tripping me. They kept guilt tripping me. And then it got to the point where they guilt tripped me enough where they said, we're going to actually give you a whole church. This is the dumbest idea anyone's ever had in their entire life. And so what did I do? I said, sure. And it was the dumbest thing I've ever done in my entire life. Like I walked up here trying to act like I knew what I was doing, you know? Tell a dumb story. Talk about something that I didn't really know about. Think that it was okay. And at the end, I was just overwhelmed with this whole idea that every single time I was talking, I was making it more and more about myself and not about who Jesus was. And I would go downstairs and there was a nursery and I would just cry. I would just cry and I was broken. And the reason why I was broken, because I was not listening. The reason why we listen to the sermons that we do is because whatever the sermon sounds like is what that person believes about God. What I don't want you to do is I don't want you to believe and accept that you will listen to someone who will spend the majority of the time talking about themselves and you never learn about Jesus. That is not teaching. That is not learning about the greatest thing that you could ever possibly learn about. 
This whole idea, at times, we like to think is about us. This is not about us. One of the common caricatures is that the Bible is a roadmap to life, right? Now, some of you could probably go to the back of your Bibles and they got maps, you know? Some of us got like a Galilee, it's the Middle East, it's the Middle East now. Like some of you guys have, have those maps at the back of this thing. There's actually, there's no map behind, I'm just, it's an illustration. And it's not. Following Jesus is not about you. And I think one of the most hopeful things about this is for us to understand that this and reading this and believing this is not about you. If you open this up and you pick it up, you know, you sit there and everybody goes and, you know, Russian roulette. Mark. And you read some random passage and the soldiers led him away inside the palace. That is the governor's headquarters and they called together the whole battalion. And you sit there and you go, what does that mean about my life? And you go, the soldiers. The soldiers are the enemies in my life. You know who they led away? My sin. They led away my sin inside the palace, which is my house. And they called together the rest of the bad guys. Oh, Lord, thank you for this blessing. <laughs> and how often do we do that? Where we sit there and we hear these stories about maybe Jesus walking up to someone who he shouldn't be talking to, like the, the woman at the well someone who's completely ostracized and shouldn't be a part of this. And we look at that story and we read it and we go, and the whole idea of this passage is that I need to go and talk to people who no one else wants to talk to. I need to go and be more like Jesus. Ah, Bible reading. When really that whole passage has nothing to do with what it is that you're supposed to do. It's you're supposed to sit there and go, I'm the woman at the well. I was the broken and defeated individual who could do nothing for myself. And Jesus came and approached me. Now look at how different a you-centered version of reading the Bible compared to a Jesus-centered version of reading the Bible completely is. Do not accept to sit there and have someone be on stage and give a me-centered message. You should always, as a follower of Jesus, be committed to the idea that if you do not learn about who Jesus is, that was not a sermon. It was a pep talk of techniques and tips of how to live a life that we don't truly understand. The reason why we are here is not for me to sound funny or cool. It's for us to hear more about who Jesus is. Man, the amount of times that I have preached a garbage sermon, absolutely garbage, 
is really funny when you go into those situations where you come out of it and I, I'd sit down and I would cry about these things and how bad they were. Oh my gosh, why did I preach such a bad sermon? And I'd go over in my mind over and over and over again. And I'd walk out. Some random person would walk up to me and say, thank you so much. I hope you understand that my life completely changed. And you're floored and you're sitting there like, what the heck, what is this? What is this? And then there's other times where you preach a message and you're like, I slayed the dragon on that one. Killed it, slayed it. I was so funny, man. I got like at least half the crowd laughing at one joke. It was legit. And then you walk out and you're like, come on. Who's, no one? No one's saying it was good? No? And you sit there and what you think is amazing didn't affect anyone. And what you think was trash is the thing that changes someone's life. And the reason that you get into the position where you listen and you say exactly what it is that God has for you to say is for you to understand that it has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with you. There's this amazing passage in Isaiah 61 where it talks about what happens when someone preaches the good news. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It's the idea that my very words are constant and strong and powerful enough to bind up those who are broken to give people hope at the opportunity that what they have is a chance to be with Jesus. It is not, listen, this is not about how to make you happier in life. This is not a feel good message about how can you do better. This pri primarily is always and will always be about the truth, about that God has acted and that he has spoken, that this whole thing and what we do here when we proclaim and teach and, and talk about the Bible is that we recognize that this thing is not just some random text of words that talk about some nonsense, that this, if we truly believe what the Bible is, is not a storybook, is not a roadmap to life. This is God's self-disclosure of himself. That this contains everything that God wants to tell you about who he is. That you read here constant stories about freedom and liberation, right? The Old Testament contains three cycles. The first one is Abraham getting out of the city that he was in. The second major story that everybody knows is the Egyptians letting go the Israelites who go across the Red Sea out of Egypt. The third one is the exiles leaving out of Babylon. And all that's trying to tell you is God is in the business of freedom that God was the one who released those people. God was the one who made those individuals free. And what's the whole climax of the book? What's the very most important part? 
is that God himself would die on a cross to once again set his people free for good, not because they did something, because he did something. So that's why when you read these passages like Exodus 14, 14, where he says, all you need to do is be still and I will fight for you. You can sit in confidence with those things because you go all that this has told me over and over and over and over again is that that idea is true. That the only reason why I can go and love and care for others is because if this is what describes who God is, he's done that over and over again. The only reason why I can feel acceptance in my life is because this tells us that he has died on our behalf because he has accepted us as children in his family. The only reason why I can go and care for anyone in this room to the level to which I do is because Jesus died on a cross. That's why we do this. Do not accept messages and sermons and teachings that just has to do with you because that's what got us into this problem, is us focusing on us. This is to turn everything upside down and say, this is not about you. This is about Jesus. This is about what he does. This is about his power. The last thing I want to leave you with is this idea of the gospel. There's a guy named P.T. Forsyth. He's this Scottish theologian, and he says this, that the gospel is an act and a power. It is God's act of redemption. A true sermon is a real deed. The preacher's word, when he preaches the gospel and not only delivers a sermon, is an effective deed charged with blessing or with judgment. That these words only have power, not because I can make funny little quips, or because I talk louder at certain moments, or because I can do really dramatic pauses. See, it was dramatic. If that's what we think this is about, we've missed the whole point. This is not intended to be a performance. This is not intended to be this dynamic thing about myself or anyone else who walks up here. The reason why we call this a family, the reason why this is a home, is because we choose to listen. We choose to listen to a God who is powerful, who has authority, who has spoken, who has acted, and is truth in itself. So let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight as we just get to hear this idea that the early church gathered around teaching. This might have been the most random subject in the entire world, but we're grateful. And we're grateful for the idea that as we get to sit here and we get to hear and listen, that the way we listen shows our posture to you shows how much we wanna grow, how hungry we are for who you are. 
that God, you would do a tremendous thing in us, that you wouldn't allow us to just sit back and think that we are the only thing in this universe, that our lives as followers of Jesus is intended to give away, that we sit and we listen in constant adoration of who you are because you are trying to tell us more about you. That's what this is about, that you would change us, that you would do a tremendous work and you would allow us to grow more and more and more as we commit to be here week after week after week and grow with the people around us. We can love and cherish them and worship you in fullness. So Father, we thank you. We love you. And Jesus, I'm gonna pray. Amen.